Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, in the past few years, I'm sure you would have seen that cryptocurrencies have gained some form of acceptance, even as a mainstream payment method in some quarters anyway. Here's the thing. Companies as diverse as Starbucks, KFC and Tesla have introduced cryptocurrency payment options. Its proponents herald this introduction as a new frontier, they say, in secure contactless payments. But the implementation of crypto acceptance is often easier said than done. We're seeing challenges in processing cryptocurrency payments, including risk management and customer onboarding. Let's face it, how many of us have never, ever used cryptocurrencies to pay for anything? In Singapore, social login infrastructure provider web 3 Ought seeks to close the gap in the usage of wallets and the confusion mainstream crypto adopters face prior to kickstarting their investments in the sector. We're talking today with Zen Young, CEO and co-founder of web 3 Ought, to find out more. Hi, Zen. Thanks for joining us. Hey there. Thanks so much for having Bharati. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be on. All right, then. Here's the thing. Surveys show that crypto onboarding can be unwieldy. It is unnecessarily prolonged due to the seed phrase. It's a series of words created by the crypto wallet to regain access. Now, on a technical level, seed phrases, I know, have contributed to the loss of nearly 20% of all bitcoins in circulation. That's roughly equivalent to the GDP of a country like Hungary. So I know that that motivated you to solve the problem. Talk to us about how you're doing this. 100%. So it's it's a huge problem in the space, and it's really what is one of the main hurdles towards, you know, mainstream adoption and people having confidence in uh, using crypto in general. And um, it's such an important problem to solve. And uh, that's ultimately why we, 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 we kind of chanced upon it and started um, thinking about it. Now, how Web3Off aims to solve this issue in particular is we, just like how in your typical, you know, in the olden days, you had usernames and passwords, and now moving forward, you have multi-factor forms of authentication like, you know, OTPs, SMS, logging in with uh, your Google Authenticator. We're doing the same for seed phrases and public-private key pairs. We're making seed phrases multi-factor and splitting it across different things a user might own themselves, such as their social login, like which they're already used to using, as well as a series of the devices and things that they might own. It could be even be kept with uh, friends and family conceptually. Right. So while you're simplifying all of this, the fact is that there are doubts about whether or not there ought to be cryptocurrency acceptance. I'm sure you would have heard the Monetary Authority of Singapore saying that while it supports fintech in general and partnering industry to explore distributed ledger technology, supporting innovation in digital asset use cases, it actually is contemplating imposing stricter rules on, for instance, retail crypto investors. And it said it not only regards cryptocurrencies as unsuitable for use as money, but also as highly hazardous for investors, for retail investors. Clearly, many are questioning if crypto acceptance is really the way to go. What do you have to say to them? So it's true that the climate has been a little bit more strict, especially with 
um, the most recent ups and downs with crypto, uh, especially the most recent down, uh, and with very high profile scandals like Luna, as well as um, some of the other cryptos, it's uh, it, it's it's very it, it's very true that regulation and governing bodies are taking a closer look and a stricter view on it. Singapore has always been on the forefront with these things. It's uh, um, they've been the, the best thing about Singapore when it comes to regulation is that we're not grey about these things. It's black or white. It's either you can do this or you can't do this. Or you can do something or you can't do something. It's and this is different from the regulatory architecture that, for example, in the US or Europe, where things take a little bit longer and move a little bit slower. And that's always been a good thing about Singapore. Um, ultimately. So whether or not uh, stricter rules are imposed or not, I do believe it's true for, actually it's like a positive sign for any ecosystem to get a little bit more regulation. It shows that the industry is becoming larger, people are taking a good look at it, and regulation is ultimately what allows businesses, like proper businesses, to understand how best to basically serve their customers and best to use technology and the underlying uh, benefits that the technology might bring. So um, it is true that stricter regulation is coming and uh, being thought about, but I would say it's also welcome, probably. Mm. So your job is to increase crypto acceptance. In this environment, how do you reconcile that with statements from a central bank in any country that might be actually against crypto acceptance mm-hmm. so ultimately it's it, it, it regulation starts from top and then trickles down to actual policies uh, when people voice their stance on a very high level like a central bank voicing it it doesn't make it down all the way to policies right off the bat it actually goes through series of reviews with industry partners like you know different uh, uh, exchanges or um, profiles of companies in the space. Uh, it goes through like policymakers it, 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 before it actually trickles down into actual policy implementation. So a high level like urge towards regulating uh, crypto, it doesn't directly translate to, oh, the whole thing is banned. Everything's not going to work. Mm. It, it actually is a little bit more nuanced than that. And they start, because with any technology, like uh, with any financial technology or uh, not just financial, but when like medical or let's say food or anything, right? Uh, there's always an economy that positively builds and value that it provides. We just need to use it and think about policing it in the right way. Mm. Right? There's always so, the risk of over-regulation as well, isn't there, Zen? Exactly, exactly. So we're really just waiting for to see how that translates to the down-the-ground uh, underground level types of policies and mm. um, and, and 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 monitoring that as as that moves on for our customers and we do that for our customers as well because you know we're a business to business kind of company um, so like just being on the ball of things being in the conversation and ultimately trying our best to comply. So here's the thing, as crypto wallets become more mainstream and less niche, they are also starting to be held accountable to anti-money laundering regulations around the world, just like ordinary financial services providers. What are you doing or thinking of in terms of safeguards against money laundering? 
Absolutely. So when you talk about ANL laws, ultimately the key point in which to um, prevent it is actually inputs and outputs. Every monetary system has inputs and outputs, and it's the same for crypto. You've got, and that's the points which regulation is aiming to more closely regulate. It's when you start converting fiat to crypto, fiat being your standard you know, USD, SGD, whatever, uh, and then into cryptocurrency. So it's at these inputs and at these withdrawals, and it's with these companies where uh, these AML laws are in particular being thought about. So um, in both in the US and Europe, they're thinking about uh, requiring customers, even when uh, they're converting non-custodially, to report to the uh, uh, the body that's swapping the fiat to crypto for them. Um, and it's uh, it's that's where most of the regulation when it comes to AML is concentrated on. And ultimately, we do feel like it's an efficient form of doing so, as it's very similar to how uh, other monetary systems or other uh, payment systems have done so in the past. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I would say that it is a little bit of a hurdle and a little bit of a hassle to implement and it would, uh, it, it does introduce a little bit more friction into um, using crypto. But at the same time, they are kind of like safeguards for it. And it's, it can be argued that they are necessary. And with these complications actually come opportunities for some businesses, you know, mm -hmm. compliance businesses, um, which uh, there are some, uh, you know, transaction tracking businesses. And for us, uh, it allows us to provide more value to our customers as well, for sure. Speaking with Zen Young, CEO and co-founder of Web3 Ort. Now, Zen, earlier you were talking to us about your solution, a non-custodial key infrastructure solution to solve the problems that we're seeing in terms of crypto acceptance and to leverage social accounts and devices that mainstream users already own so that they can manage their keys intuitively. So this sounds like a great solution, but how might it apply to Web3 projects that are looking for scalability as we move forward? So in terms of scalability, you can really split that up into two things. The first thing is scalability in terms of your infrastructure on whether or not you can cater to the load and the users that you want. It's a very technical thing. And yeah. the second one is scalability when it comes to reach. You know, can you reach your audience? Can you make it more accessible? So um, in terms of our infrastructure, the, the main thing is always making it more intuitive for the user. One of the main principles that we believe in is incremental onboarding. Very similar to how when you set up your account today with, let's say, Google or any other social platform, right? You might start off with, uh, you might start off with, you might start off with just using your username and password, but then incrementally add an OTP, another device factor, um, use it on several different devices. It's the same with Web3 off. You incrementally do so. This lowers the barrier to entry because it means crypto is safer to keep. It's more accessible. It's easier to use, ultimately allowing these applications to reach further and reach less technical audiences with their solution. Right. Everyone should be able to understand it and use it safely. 
everyone, just, including your grandmother, right? Uh, absolutely. And I'll, you, you took the words right off my mouth because mm. um, uh, we actually have this test called the grandma test. And we ah. basically put it in front of <laughs> some of our, uh, uh, our colleagues, uh, our parents and stuff like that. And we see whether or not, you know, they can use the product, whether it feels comfortable, mm. whether it feels natural to them. Yeah, I mean, digital inclusion is so important more and more as we move ahead with Web3 and all these other solutions. I think it's so important to make sure everyone can use them safely and easily. Now, I have to ask you about the merge. We're expecting it tomorrow if there are no untoward circumstances or delays. Mm -hmm. You started out as an engineer in Visa and Accenture before moving to Ethereum, where you were working on different Ethereum foundation projects. So you must have a view on the merge. Absolutely. It's very exciting, to be honest. Um, uh, and I think a lot of people who've been monitoring and tracking crypto would resonate with this. But we've been waiting for this for a very long time. The merge essentially solves one of blockchain's most difficult pain points, which is scalability. It's transaction speeds and transaction volumes. Right now, today, Payment processes like Visa right, um, and, and MasterCard can handle tens of thousands of transactions per second. Ethereum today handles maybe 10 or 20. Right? Um, with the merge, it ramps up Ethereum's scalability of its base layer to equal magnitudes. And with layer two solutions on top of that, which uh, I mean, could be Polygon, Starkware, um, uh, optimism, any of them on top of that, really brings that to another magnitude even higher than that. Matching the payment processing platforms and even going beyond what we have there today. So it's really quite an exciting moment for a lot of us. Um, uh, and the merge has been something that's been worked on by, um, by the entire community, really. Uh, as well as, of course, mainly the core team uh, for the past four to five years of research and development and testing. And for it to finally be happening, uh, I think it's uh, we're just very excited. Well, I'm sure investors will be watching it very closely as well. And of course, some experts are saying that investors actually stand to gain quite a bit from the merge. Environmentalists are so incidentally watching it because they're saying now that actually this will be much better for the environment in terms of the process of minting Bitcoin and other forms of cryptocurrencies. Many thanks, of course, to Zen. Zen Yong is CEO and co-founder of Web3Ort. Thanks for joining us today on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.